Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Our God is a predictable God. Why do I say that? Because whatever God says he's going to do in the scriptures, you can be assured that God will do that. In other words, when I say God is predictable, how we can understand that is this. God is faithful to his word. What he promises he will bring about. And therefore, it is so foolish when I myself or you yourself read something that God says he's going to do and then we don't respond to it in obedience that we don't implement that in our life God is always faithful to his word and we're going to see a great example of that in the psalm that we're going to study today and we furthermore see that because God does what he says and what he says is good it's the right thing that we should respond to him also with praise thanksgiving and worship so with that said let's begin our study take out your bible and look with me to the book of psalms and psalm 105 the book of psalms psalm 105 god willing we're going to begin this psalm and go through the first half of this psalm let's begin where it says give thanks to the lord call on his name now giving thanks to god positions us when we say thank you god and we acknowledge what he has done we are positioned through this thanksgiving to be able to speak to him to call upon his name now another aspect of this first part of verse one is that we give thanks to god because of his name meaning his character and we when we say yes to god i give you thanks because you are a good god and your character reflects all these marvelous traits that you have therefore we call upon his name for what purpose so that we can become like god and here again like god in behaving according to what is right what is proper what is good what reflects his character can we say that another way yes we can we want to reflect his character how by giving him glory when we do the things of god it is a glorifying act when we obey god we are praising him for who he is and we have the privilege of participating in the good things according to his will so look again at verse one give thanks to the lord call upon his name and make known among the peoples and this would be all people his works or deeds again 
we see that there's something parallel here if we look at the last part of the first half of verse one it is the word his name and then when we look at the last part of the verse we see his deeds his actions his behavior and we see always that the actions of god are always in agreement with his character that is one of the teachings through hebrew poetry when we see these two things that are parallel with one another his name and his deeds god acts he behaves in light of who he is his character verse 2 because of that that he has a perfect character and his deeds reflect that what should be our response look at verse 2 sing to him and we have a second word a synonym for singing now some would would suggest that this word for singing the second one has to do with praising god and that's all right but it's that same root where we get the hebrew word one of the hebrew words for psalm and remember this is the word that talks about trimming away from getting and removing things in our life that are not productive in in spiritual pursuits not in regard to the will of god so we want to get rid of those things that are not regarding his will or his purpose and again what do we learn praising god worshiping god has a cleansing influence in our life so sing unto him and again sing unto him and then it says a word for some bibles will say meditation but it's really a word of conversing having a conversation with god so it says converse with all of his wondrous acts meaning speak of them first of all to him again the context giving him thanks praising him worshiping him for all of his wondrous deeds a second aspect of that is not just conversing with him but making known to others the wonderful things that god has done in our life we need to be people that we pray and when we receive an answer to prayer it is encouragement to others to also pray when we share that and we testify what god has done in our life verse 3 it says praise praise his holy name again we see that god is worthy to be praised because of his character so praise his holy name and then we are told the heart of the ones that seek the lord will rejoice now here seeking god you seek god where in his will you seek god by doing his commandments this is elementary for our faith how do i seek god well god come to me no that doesn't work what we do is this we implement his word his commandments into our life and that brings us into the presence of god and therefore as it says here the ones who seek the lord that heart of that person those individuals will rejoice seeking god through faithfulness and i'm speaking about being faithful to his word will bring about joy gladness 
in your life verse 4 seek the lord and this is a more intense word for seeking if you go back up to the previous verse we have bakshu panav which literally means seek his presence seek god's presence in your life but now we have a different word in verse 4 where it simply says seek but it's a strong word now usually this word in modern hebrew speaks of a demand now obviously it is not appropriate for us to demand something from god we are in no position to do that but this word also has a a meaning of inquiring with great seriousness with great desire so i want to experience god i want to know god and my life should reflect that strong desire for me to experience god so seek the lord and notice this his power now we're taught something here when we enter into the presence of god when we are in his will god is going to supply his power to us for what purpose for i for me to accomplish what i want no for me to accomplish his instructions to my life so when one is committed to the things of god that one can expect that god would supply what we need his power in order to be able to fulfill his will it also says seek his face this is that earlier word that we talked about at the end of of verse verse three seek it says seek his face continuously and that means always now this word for always shows as well it can be made a verb in hebrew now in english there are many times that you cannot take a noun and make it into a verb but hebrew you always can and vice versa because there is a root and that root can appear as a noun or it can appear as a verb and when this word appears as a a verb it speaks of consistency something that is steadfast something that is is consistent and consistent in regard to the the framework of god his purposes his instructions to us so notice what it says seek his face again his presence in our life always consistently verse 5 remember his wondrous deeds what he has done and his and this is another word for a wondrous deed it speaks about his mighty actions and notice how they came about it says here the judgments of his mouth what does that mean well god's wondrous activities come as a outcome of god speaking judgment now judgment is a opinion let me give you an example a judge gives a ruling a verdict that's his opinion now that judge he may err he may get it right he's human to being but god is not a man and therefore we should see something god always gets it right what god says it is perfect 
and therefore god brings about his wonders what is his wonders his activity in this world whenever and hear this carefully whenever god acts it is a wonder meaning it is marvelous it is perfect it reflects his character and it manifests as well his identity as the sovereign god in this world so we see his wondrous deeds they are a result of what the judgments of his mouth verse 6 the seed of abraham his servant so the seed of abraham that can be applied to messiah individually but the seed of abraham also represents all believers therefore what are we called to do just as yeshua perfectly served his father we also the seed of abraham should likewise perfectly serve god that is the call that we have upon our life so the seed of abraham his servant and then it becomes specific b'nai yaakov the children of jacob now this is important because we see something abraham had faith but we're not talking about all the offspring of abraham that term seed of abraham are those who have the same faith of abraham and we know that yitzchak isaac did but ishmael did not therefore the promise that that covenantal promise that god made with abraham was not part of of ishmael it went to yitzchak isaac and then from isaac it went not to all the children of isaac because asaph was excluded because esau did not want the will of god he was not interested in the purposes of god esau was defiant against god that's why god hates him and furthermore that's why we see that those in the last days who are going to be the the leaders against israel and that is the purpose of god are going to be those who are called edom that is the offspring of esau so here it goes the children of yaakov his chosen ones what is he chosen the children of jacob to do his purposes to walk with him in faithfulness and again faithfulness produces good works are we saved by good works we are not we are saved by faith through the grace of god because of the sufficiency of messiah's work upon the cross so we're saved by faith but that faith that saves us is going to bring about a change we talk about this often we are going to be born again can we say that differently yes we are going to be regenerated can we say that differently yes we are going to become a new creation a kingdom creation and because of our new identity through the redemption of messiah what happens we are going to do good works that's our new identity when we belong to the world we do worldly things when we belong to the kingdom we do kingdom things it's just that simple that is our new identity we no longer or we should not live any longer according to the ways of the world now we struggle we'll still in this body but our call 
and we should have consistency in doing the things that relate to kingdom kingdom truth kingdom purpose so the sons of of yaakov his chosen ones verse 7 he the lord is our god and in all the land that can mean in all the earth is his once again judgments now again god is going to at times he brings it about where god who transcends his creation but god is also within his creation why he's all places so this god who is above transcends his creation is free to enter in whenever he wants and god is also free to not enter in and when god does not don't blame him when things happen that are not according to his will it is because of the sinfulness the rebelliousness of humanity again do not blame god for the sinfulness and the rebelliousness of humanity you say well why doesn't god act and intervene he can if he wants but don't second guess god if god allows something and that is is a bad thing there's a purpose for it he is not the cause of that bad thing but he is free to use it for good one of the words and i've shared this with you many times one of the words that is so important biblically is this word lahafoch it means to turn something upside down it's a word of change and god frequently enters into this world for the purpose of taking the bad that was done by you and me by humanity and using it for good that is wonderful that is a reason to praise god don't criticize god because he allows at times bad things to happen and by the way something that is very problematic and it's increasing today within the evangelical movement and that is reformed theology calvinism and there is a tendency for for calvinists to not understand the sovereignty of god and expect that that if anything happens that's not god's will that in somehow it it makes god not sovereign because how if he's sovereign can something happen against his will well god allows for that do not blame god do not think that this in any way uh interferes with his identity as a sovereign god just because god is sovereign doesn't mean that he has to respond to all things and again he is not only sovereign but he is also perfectly and forever wise and he might allow something because of his foreknowledge to take place because it is going to be used by him for good that does not mean that god's the cause of it he's free to use that which he is not part of remember what we learned in the book of james we know and literally the book of james is called the epistle of yaakov we see that god is not uh, tempted by evil that doesn't interest god nor does he ever use evil to tempt us but god can use evil he does not use evil to tempt but he can use evil and turn that evil into something good and 
I am so grateful that that is how God operates, functions in this world. So we read here, He is the Lord our God and in all, I would translate it, the earth is His judgments. Verse 8, remember forever His covenant. Now, forever can also be understood at all times. Very, very important. Always think of, learn, reflect upon the covenant. What covenant? We're talking about the new covenant. And the new covenant is related inherently to the Abrahamic covenant. Study that. We learn so much about covenants. And in learning a great deal about covenants, it reflects upon the identity of God, the behavior of God, the thoughts of God so important study the covenants and of course the great covenant is that kingdom covenant the new covenant that was sealed with the blood of messiah And when i say sealed i mean ratified through the blood of messiah so remember forever his covenant the word he commanded for a thousand generation now sometimes that number thousand has to do with that which is complete or full this term for thousand can mean all and it doesn't mean forever and ever it simply means for a specific uh, uh, time allotment for a specific uh, time in history that has boundaries and what we see here is this god look carefully god commanded things for a specific time allotment that time allotment and that command work together to reflect the nature of god it reveals to us the character the identity of god we learn much about god through what he commands and then secondly verse verse 9 speaking about this covenant that is mentioned in verse 8 which he cut with abraham and he swore to isaac so we see it begins with abraham it moves on to isaac or yitzchak and it says here that he made it to stand he established it and it says in this verse to jacob for a a portion now this is the word chok chok can be a law that word can reflect a a commandment for one to embrace a law that needs to be observed secondly that word can be hook can also be a portion so what we find is this it is through this command this this law that we find god portioning things to us meaning giving things to us that word hope can be an allotment so through the commandment which teaches us what to do and what not to do that's the nature of a commandment and commandments are part of a covenant what we find is through obedience to the covenant we find god's portion for our life meaning this when we obey god gives when we do not obey it interferes with that allotment that portion that god uh, wants to give us he desires that but 
it's conditional. See, one of the things that we need to realize is that much of what God does is conditional. Now, people say, well, what about his love? Well, God loves us, and his love for us, we could say, is unconditional. Him having love for us. But here's something. Hear this. Just because God has unconditional love for us doesn't mean that to receive the love, there are no conditions. That is a wrong statement. There are indeed conditions for receiving that love. So does God love all humanity? Yes, he does. Unconditionally. By his nature, because we are his creation, he loves us. But just because he loves us doesn't mean that we're going to be recipients of that love. You can only receive the love of God through a covenant. Specifically, in this allotment of time, that covenant which will mediate to us the love of God is the new covenant. The covenant that Messiah established upon that cross. And it's a covenant of redemption. Redemption. What's that key word with redemption? The Hebrew word im, which means with. It's only through a new covenant that we can experience God, that we can be with God. So he says here, he he established it, that covenant, to Jacob for an allotment, for a law, and to Israel as what? A eternal covenant. Now, that word eternal can relate to the kingdom and i would suggest to you that usually it does this hebrew word olam is a kingdom word so what he says here is this thing that he made with abraham and then yitzchak and yaakov this covenant is the eternal covenant that relates to the kingdom experience a kingdom reality verse verse 11 saying to you i will give the land of canaan now this is important because we see something he's talking about covenant he's talking about kingdom and no sooner does he speak of these things he brings in the land realize this the land of israel what's called here eretz canaan or the land of canaan is directly connected to god's program his promise what god's going to bring about and the problem is you have so many teachers and this is what i don't understand there's a magazine called christianity today and they will put forth what they believe to be some of the great bible teachers and so many of them deny what the word of god says and they are not sensitive to the program of God and so many of them are Calvinistic and we see that there's a tendency and I would say a very 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 strong tendency among those who are of reform theology Calvinism to not see today any significance for the land of Israel this is false it is in conflict with the revelation of God so in this kingdom covenant this Brit Olam a kingdom covenant an eternal covenant the next thing he says 
I will give to you the land of Canaan. And then we have the word hevel, which is uh, uh, another word for allotment or a grouping. And it says here, the hevel nachalatchem, meaning the, the allotment of your inheritance. And notice God says, I'm doing this when? Verse 12. When the number was was uh, small. And then he has the word kimat. Kimat is almost. And here it means again, something that was very uh, sparsely inhabited. And God says when almost, there was a few, in other words, who dwelt there. Those who were dwelling. He uses the simple word for dwelling in the present tense when there was few dwelling there. So God did something. There were people who inhabited that land, but God who is sovereign, he chose to give that land based upon covenant to the sons of Jacob as a law, as an allotment, and this is all in agreement with what? His judgments. And his judgments, what he does, both in actions and proclamation, they relate to the character of God, the identity of God, and all of what he does and all that he is, is foundational for what? Us praising God, us giving thanks to God. Verse verse 13. Israel, in this time it says, and they went from nation to nation. We see this. On their journey into the promised land, they went through many different nations and kingdom to a a different people. So from kingdom to a different people, not all the people were the same. And God took them from kingdom to people group and different people groups is what he's saying here. And notice verse 14. He did not, who's the subject? God. God did not allow any man to oppress them. And it also says kings. What did he do? He rebuked concerning them. So there were mighty kings. And they wanted to, like uh, uh, Balak, uh, the king of Moab, he wanted to destroy Israel. He wanted to do it through a supernatural means. He called a prophet, of course, not a faithful prophet, I'm talking about Bilam, in order to destroy Israel. But God would not allow that. Why? Because Israel and the people are inherently connected to the purpose of God. And God's purpose, it's irrevocable. It's not going to change. It is going to be fulfilled. And we need to see that that purpose, that plan, has to do with the land and also the people. As you're studying this, don't you see how God keeps referring to Israel, both the people and the land, in regard to his kingdom, in regard to that covenantal promise that he makes, and he uses a term for the covenant as an eternal covenant. What does that mean? An eternal covenant does not change. It is going to be fulfilled. It is going to bring about the outcome, the terms, the condition of that that covenant. So he did not, God did not allow any man to oppress them. And God rebuked concerning them, concerning Israel, kings. Verse 15, 
verse 15. Do not touch my anointed. Of course, this could mean the king of Israel or ultimately the king of kings, the Lord of Lords, Messiah. And to my prophets, do not do evil. So those who God has anointed, God's going to protect and those who are his prophets what does it say and to my prophets they do not do evil meaning this their objective and that word evil means against god's will their evil actions they've killed prophets they've uh, uh, persecuted prophets but those who do so are not successful what those prophets taught are going to be a reality all of what they said is going to be a reality verse 15 excuse me verse 16. now we're going to for the next uh the remaining time that we're going to spend together in this first half of psalm 105 we're going to go to the time allotment that has to do with joseph and of course the children of israel being in egypt so remember that as we begin verse 16. what did god do he called a famine upon the land and the land here can mean the earth and we know that famine was a worldwide famine so god called a famine upon the earth and also it says mate. every uh, portion we might say of bread what did he do he broke now some will say that that this has to do with a a container that which holds something so every container that held bread he broke meaning it was not able to receive why did god break it because there was no use for it because there was not going to be any bread any provision and what did he do well in the midst of this in order to glorify himself and reveal himself first to his people and then to the world it says look at verse 17 he sent before them a man what man will be told a servant who was sold what was his name Joseph. and of course we're talking about joseph one of the younger sons of of jacob and we see that he was indeed faithful to god and we also see that he was sold into slavery joseph was verse 20 verse 18 and they afflicted him and this word has to do with uh uh putting like chains now it's the word kavo which has to do with with just binding someone so they afflicted him binding his feet and also with iron they 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 came iron came upon his soul or his soul came to experience iron what was this this is an idiom for oppression he was was bound afflicted and what bound him was as strong as iron what is it speaking about it's speaking about when he was in that prison whose prison pharaoh's prison and what we know people did not uh, uh escape people did not escape from an egyptian prison but joseph he was in there behind that iron gate 
But God, as we're going to see, brought him out. Verse 19. Until he was there in that iron gate behind it in prison. Until the time that what? His word, God's word came. Now, this can also be the matter. His matter came. God said, enough, I'm going to use you at this time. It was the word of the Lord. And what did it do? Well, this word of the Lord, some will say, tested him. But if you do a good study at this this word, it's a word for refining him. So God allowed for Joseph to go through this. This was part of a conditioning process for Joseph. All the difficult things that he went through, being sold into slavery, separated from his father, from his brothers, from his society, from his land, being in Egypt, and all the things that happened to him, ultimately being in prison for for over 10 years. But all of this refined him, let's say it a different way, all of this prepared him for what God was going to do with him. And what happened? The king sent, this was the king of Egypt, the king sent and released him. And we see that the leader, this is the term Moshel, the ruler or leader of the people, they, what happened? That ruler opened it up for him, open up that, that iron gate. And we see that that it says the master set him for a house or over his house. So here we see that Pharaoh placed him over his house. And it says a ruler, same word Moshe, a ruler in all of his possessions. So think of this. This should say something to us. Here, Joseph sold into slavery accused falsely of a crime and eventually eventually found himself in prison not for a few days not for a few months but not for a few years but for over 10 years in a harsh harsh oppression that's what egyptian prison would have been like and god used that the scripture says that god was with joseph in that that situation and joseph when god said so the time was enough therefore the king of egypt did what he sent forth the word for him to be released for him to come out he opened up that gate and it says that master pharaoh set him over his house as a governor ruler over all of his possessions and then what do we see? To bind his uh, cabinet officials with his soul. It's an idiom. Joseph was put, he was in control over all the cabinet officials. And it says here as well, he not only restricted them, and that word for bind is really to restrict. It's the same word uh, that we get the term osir, which is what? forbidden so joseph became leader and he said there were certain things for these leaders not to do they're forbidden and also look at our last verse where it says and he gave his elders wisdom those who were in charge of the people 
Joseph made them wise. How? Well, what do we learn? It was through these restrictions, not doing things, that they became wise. This is a principle for us. When we do the things we ought not do, what God says is is forbidden. When it is forbidden and we do it, it is going to affect our mind. It will have an adverse effect on our mind. When we obey what God says, don't do these things, and we don't do them, and we do the things that he says to do, it is going to grant us wisdom. And it's that wisdom that allows us to take what we know and administer it properly in a given situation. That's what wisdom is. The ability to take knowledge and and utilize it in the right way, in the right situation, at the right time. We are so dependent upon wisdom. And it's obedience to the things that God says you do, we ought to do them. The things he says don't do, we ought not do them. When we abide by that, it is going to bring about wisdom. God will give us supernaturally wisdom so that we can order our life in accordance with that wisdom, carrying out the purpose of God. Well, we'll stop with that until next week when we, God willing, will complete the second part of Psalm 105. Until then, Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.